Hi to our virtual community. Wave your hand. All right, glad to see you guys today. Uh, some, there's this usually between 55 and 87, 88 people that watch that. And most generally, you can take that times two. So though our whole congregation isn't in this building, we're still fellowshipping and holding it together. And that Zoom meeting is going to be real important. Um, the virtual family, we did that just for you guys because that's going to be a night that Carmen and I come up and we just want to see your faces hear your story, hear where you're at, and we just want to make that extra effort to connect with you. So if you want to grab your prayer teachings out, um, this is a six-week series. Um, we're beginning part four today. Um, if you don't have any, if you don't have all four of them outside in the foyer, you can pick up all the parts up till the fourth today, okay? So be sure, and uh, they're in little, you have a little ringer on your prayer thing so you can keep adding to it so today we're going to talk about forgive us our debts or forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us you know virtually that's all just centered around having a clear conscience with God and having a clear conscience with man how many know it's hard to walk through life and hard to go through living if you don't have that clear conscience or you have a condemned conscience? So really this part on, this part on forgiveness with God and forgiveness with each other, that's how we kind of do maintenance on keeping a good conscience with God and man. You know, the knowledge of doing good or bad is hinged on a system seated somewhere within us. When we do something not right, there's like this check or a question in our heart, more like an inner critic, or you might say a judge saying, uh, 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 foul, that's not wrong, that's not right. This system, you know, it was created by God. It was created to keep our life and our actions to where when something is unbecoming or something is wrong, it raises up an alarm. It raises up something that we're like, man, we need to take a look at what we're doing. And this internal system that we call our conscience. So a clear conscience, a clear conscience, what that means is that is a conscience that's void of guilt or shame or wrong done. So when we say we need a clear conscience before God and man, we're saying that we need this clear conscience void of guilt or shame or remembering wrongs that's done. The simple meaning can be extended to both God and man. With a clear conscience, we can both stand before God and man with no accusation coming to obstruct our relationship with them. So it's important that we maintain and that we work at, and that we keep a clear conscience between God and people. And again, I believe that's found in our teaching on prayer today. You know, a clear conscience with God makes it where we can freely worship Him, to where we don't feel inhibited, or we don't feel that He's upset, or things aren't right with Him. That we can feel close to Him when we read the Word, and we know we can hear that gentle voice and that nudge of His Spirit. And you know, a clear conscience void in a marriage or void in a relationship and makes that awkwardness it makes it hard to relate and hard to interact and hard to have that connection so that's why we're saying a clear conscience means that we got to take whatever steps necessary to keep things right between God and to keep things right with others are y'all with me say amen so so today we're continuing this prayer teaching forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us and I want everything that we're talking about today to be centered around a clear conscience is found in forgiveness a clear conscience is found in forgiveness 
Forgiveness from God and to others. To keep a clear conscience towards God in your, in your handouts, you can begin to see this. How do we keep that clear conscience towards God? How do we maintain that? What do we do? The first thing we do, have to do is we have to admit guilt and its charge or its cause. We have to look at our, at our life when there's things that we know that you're feeling that alarm going off that's saying, hey, foul, hold on a minute. Something's not right here because our conscience is alive. That's when we stop and we look and we identify the guilt and we name it, we name it, and we admit that we did it. You know, sometimes when we look at things, we can't say, that's my little issue or that's my little problem. That's just me. That's something you're going to have to deal with. Sometimes we need to look at stuff and call it what it is. Name that sin. Name that thing that keeps you from being at clear conscience with God. You know, sometimes we're tempted to make excuses or to deny any kind of wrong or any kind of shortcoming, especially when we're feeling guilty. We're like, man, we got to make an excuse for this. But forgiveness, we're talking about forgive us our sins as we forgive others. Forgiveness is impossible if we don't first admit it and own it. I admit this, I admit this cause. God, I took $5 from my brother without asking him. In other words, we named it, we named it, and then we, take, we took responsibility for that. So when you're keeping a clear conscience with God, name it, admit it, and then tell God you know what you did was wrong. You know, it's possible to say what you've done, but not believe that you were wrong. You admitted that you did it is pointless if you don't admit that you know that it was wrong. You can't receive a clear conscience if you say, well, I've been stealing from my workplace and I've been cheating on my taxes, but you know, I don't really see anything wrong with that. We not only need to name it, admit it, when, when guilt or shame or something rises up, you need to stop and say, why is that happening? Why is that happening? It means that there's not a clear conscience between you and God. And so then you need to identify what it is. What is it that I'm not having that clear conscience, that clear relationship with God? And after you identify it, that second thing was name what you did and then say that you know that it was wrong. And then the third thing is this. Say you're sorry. Say you're sorry. Be sincere. Be as sincere as you can in saying that you're sorry. You know, the Bible talks about what's called a seared conscience. When you get a seared conscience, that's like somebody came and took a hot iron and just seared your con conscience where you don't feel anymore. In fact, to me, media and, and things in this world, they keep introducing things real slow to us. And then it gets where we don't notice it and our conscience get a little more seared and a little more seared and a little more seared till we don't know that it's wrong anymore. Guys, Christians need to keep an alive conscience. When your conscience says, foul or you feel guilty or you feel upset about it rejoice that your conscience is alive because the opposite of that is it can be seared and it can be seared I've had a seared conscience before in fact I'll probably have a seared conscience in the future a seared conscience is when you just do things at first and you had a blush about it and you were you knew it wasn't right but then you keep deciding to do it again and again and again and again and you get where you don't blush anymore. You, 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 you get where you aren't sorry anymore. It doesn't move you that what you're doing is, is, is not in acceptance with God. So we need to guard about getting a seared conscience. What do you do if you get a seared conscience? Because we've all had it. 
What do you do if you get a seared conscience? What if you say, I kissed a girl like that song, I kissed a girl and I liked it? What about, what about if you've got things in your life that you know is not right with God, but you like it? You like it. You like it. The reason we keep doing things is because we like it. Well, what happens is we keep doing things, it gets where our conscience is seared, and it gets harder to feel sorrow over what you're doing. So what you do, anybody out there who had a clear conscience, I'm a pro at this. I'm a pro at this because I've had a seared conscience many times. So don't condemn yourself. I'm a pro at it. Pastor, you've had a, you bet you I have. You know what you do? You start asking God to give you the gift of repentance. You start asking God to let you sorrow for what he sorrows for. You start asking God to let you see things as he sees things. You know, the Puritans, they said, uh, when they were settled in the United States of America, the, the Puritan used to walk and they would say, Lord, give us tears. When we're in things that our conscience warned us of, but we continued it over and over to over to where our conscience is seared, the way back is ask God. And I even put some scriptures in there. So if that's you today, when you get to forgive us our sins, sometimes when I pray that, when I pray, forgive us, forgive me my sins, I have to spend quite a bit of time sometimes in that portion of my prayer saying, God, help me to hate what you hate. Help me to love what you love. Help me to, to get over myself and know that, hey, if, if sin wasn't fun, if sin wasn't luring, the things of this world wasn't something that we desired or, or, or wanted. Hey, would, Adam, would, would, would the serpent have had any help any, any trouble with Adam and Eve if it wasn't fun, if it wasn't desirable? So guys, this world we walk in, know that you're not, we're not of this world, but know that we have to be conscious and we have to have our, our, our conscious not seared from the Lord that we need to be aware when he's convicting us. Does anybody out there say amen? So those are the three things I do. Now when I start getting in, now this is towards God. I name it, I admit it, and I name it. I don't say, oh, this is my little problem. This is something you, that I've just struggled with. No, I name it. This is my sin, Lord. Can you help me quit it? And then, and then, I, and then I don't make excuses for the wrong, and then I just ask, tell him I'm sorry. But now we're getting into the second part with God to where we're moving into actually asking for forgiveness. I'm asking. And what I do is I pray. You know, your emotions are your friend emotions are always a trigger or a warning light for you to stop and say what am I doing what am I thinking about so embrace emotions they're, they're good things but I'll pray about why I'm feeling the way I feel and then I be honest honest with the guilt I'll be honest I'll say man sometimes I'm honest in this prayer time I say Lord I really feel guilty for my sin I feel separated from you. I feel separated from others. Lord, it just, it, 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 my, my walk seems cold. And then some days I'll have that honest communication with God where I'll say, God, I like my sin. I like it. You're going to have to help me not like it. Guys, forgive us our sins is so important on keeping a clear and a clean conscience with the Lord. But the thing is, be honest with God. When you pray, Talk to God just like you talk to anybody. Be honest with him. Man, Lord, I'm down today. I'm sad. There's an emptiness, and I'm just not good today. And then I'll listen. I'll listen. And the Lord can show me why I'm not good, why I'm not okay. 
And usually it's an area in my life that I've allowed, allowed something to get in to where I need to ask God for forgiveness. But Jesus was in your skin. Jesus is in your skin. Jesus knows how you feel. He knows what you're thinking. He knows how you're being tempted. The Bible says this, that we don't have a high priest. The high priest represented his people. God represents us. Who is unable to empathize with us. God's able to empathize with us in our weaknesses. But we have one. We have one who's been tempted in every way just like we are. Yet, he did not sin. You know, when I, when I get on some of those that I'm feeling condemnation and guilt and shame over. And I know I need to ask forgiveness of. But the fact of the matter is I like it. I'll ask the Lord, I'll say, God, how were you tempted in every way, yet you did not sin? Can you help me that through my time, like next week we're getting deliverers from evil, uh, uh, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Next week we're going to talk a whole lot of being, uh, about temptation and being delivered from temptation, but I'm like, man, Lord, you were tempted in every way just like I am, yet you did not sin. How'd you do that? How'd you do that? Can you enlighten me? Can you show me? So we have this high priest. But when we realize that, even today, when, when I'm preaching on stuff like that, so when we're talking about guilt and shame and sin and condemnation and stuff, I start seeing people tuck their heads. Because when, when, when you don't have a clear, clean conscience to God, it feels weird sometimes even being at church, even worshiping. It, it, it just feels kind of awkward and stuff. But don't, don't put your heads down right now. If you're into things and you know it's, it's not right and stuff like that, don't put your heads down. Don't feel embarrassed that you came to church today and start asking, dang, why did I come to church today? Because now I just feel like a piece of crap and this, that, and the other. Don't do that today. Don't do that today. Don't do that today. Don't do that today. Even us that think we got it together, we don't have it together. Even people that are point their finger down at you and judge you and criticize you and put you down. Let me give you some news. They don't have it together either. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So don't anybody tuck your head here today thinking you're worse than somebody else. In fact, Paul, the closer he got to God, he, in, he, he, he kept... Uh, getting more and more to where he's like man he ended his life saying I'm the chiefest of sinners I can't get anything hey the closer you get to the light the more shows up that's why hey guys to fall from grace is when you start standing in your own righteousness don't ever try to stand your own righteousness because we don't have any righteousness but we but to fall if somebody says what does it mean to fall from grace we throw out the worst sins in the world no to fall from grace is when you believe, to fall from grace is when you believe that, that there's stuff so bad in you that even God can't forgive you. And it's when you get into doing works to try to be holy. We believe in the grace of God around here. So Jesus, man, look at this. Let us, this is in that Hebrews 4. No God's in your skin. He's with you. Let us approach God's throne of grace with confidence. So that we may receive mercy and find grace. So I get honest with God. I get honest with God. Tell him how I'm feeling. Tell him the truth about stuff. And I'm going to need him to help me with some things. Do you know when things are deep-rooted in your life? It may take a couple years. It might. It may, take a, it may take a while on some of the things. 
But so, so you're praying about how you're feeling. Then you're asking God to forgive you for what you've done. But this is the big part. Then you tell God that you believe that he has forgiven you. How many, when you say, Lord, forgive me my sins, how many, we're talking about a clear conscience and a clean conscience. When we come, Lord, I'm honest with you. I've laid bare with, with you. I don't feel condemned. I don't feel judged by you. I feel accepted of you. Lord, I'm coming to you. I'm asking forgiveness. I'm needing some grace. But how many of us really, when we ask God, when we ask God to forgive us, how many believe that we have really been forgiven? How many of you believe that? Well, you need some scripture. When I'm before God and I've, and, I've, and I've done these things, I'll say, Lord, thank you that you're faithful and just to forgive me of all my sins and cleanse me from my unrighteousness. Lord, thank you for Hebrews 8, 12 that says that he, you, the remember that forgiveness of sins, remember forgiven sins are forgotten sins. I just wrote that this morning. You might write that down. Forgiven sins are forgotten sins. Lord, I remember that forgiven sins are forgotten sins. I'll, the Bible says, I'll forgive their wick, wickedness, and I will never again remember their sins. See, people don't let you do that. They remind you. People always reminding you. They'll say it's okay, and I've forgiven you, but when an argument comes up or somewhere they got to win or whatever, they like, bring it up and throw it in your face. God won't throw it in your face. Amen. He won't bring it up. Come on, somebody should give a clap for that. God won't throw it in your face. It won't be when, when, when you've let him down or you frustrated his grace or maybe you didn't come through on something you talked to him about. Maybe he didn't come through. He didn't come up and remind you of all the stuff. He said, there's sins and iniquities I'll never remember. Look at all those. There's, there's three or four scriptures. You guys have got them. And then the last thing is worship and gratitude that you've been forgiven. I had an open vision one time. I had a vision of Christ on the cross. I really had this vision. I had a vision. It was in the middle of the night, and it lasted two or three hours. But I had a vision of Christ on the cross, and whenever I had left, the disciples came. The disciples came. And in this vision, they so delicately, they, it was as if he was still alive. They so delicately pulled up the post that was in the ground. And they very carefully say, hey guys, careful, careful. They all grabbed the cross. There, were, there, was count, there was a dozen people grabbing the cross and they were so tenderly taking that cross and laying it down. And then they were so tender, tenderly going up to Jesus' hands and pulling his hands off the nails. And they were just worshiping as he was doing it. And people were dipping, people were dipping cloths in water and they was washing his body off. They was washing his body off. I had a vision of this. They was washing his body off. They were so delicate. And then they so tenderly picked Jesus up off the cross, and they laid him down in a napkin. And then they carried him off and began to prepare him for the tomb. You know what? When you really have been forgiven, you become a worshiper of Jesus like never before. Because you know that your sin put him on that cross. 
And when you really understand and believe God's forgiveness, you will worship God. When songs come up about the crucifixion, about being risen, and songs of worship start to play in the church, your hands will automatically go up, and your heart will automatically resound praise because you remember it's an act of worship. When those people took Jesus off the cross, it was an act of worship. I do an act of worship because of that vision when I'm forgiven of it, it makes me just love him so much and you know what when people forgive you it makes you love them so much because when you're forgiven of something you didn't need shouldn't have been forgiven for then it's an act of worship and gratitude back to them so anyway that first part is ask God to forgive you and that whole part, I tried to kind of let you in my prayer closet because I pray the Lord's Prayer every day. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those. Lord, forgive me of my sins. And I go through those things. I go through those things. Then I go through forgiveness. And then I go into gratitude. There's times that I have to spend time um, asking God to make my heart soft again and, and that stuff. But now, after you feel like you're in right relationship with God, we're talking about clear conscience, clean for God. Now I'm right with God. Now I'm right with God. We need to be right with God every day. Now it's time to get right with others. Amen. You're right with God. Now it's time to be right with others. Amen. If you don't have a clear conscience towards others, if you don't have a clean conscience towards others, your, your day stinks. Your, your, your thoughts don't quit. You're running arguments through your head. You're running scenarios. You relive over and over the place that you died by words that were said to you. You're an open wound. You're, you're a heart attack ready to happen. You just live each day just surviving. It's because we haven't let things go. So forgive us our debts or forgive us our sins is as we forgive those who sin against us. Amen. So after I do, the, do it with God, uh, forgiveness with Him, then I move forward. Oh, I forgot a big part in this. <laughs> I'm not on that yet. Hey, look at this next part in your, in your book. After you ask forgiveness, this is like the most important part, and I missed it. Sorry about that, guys. Rewind. We rewound. Okay, after you ask forgiveness, I want to talk just a minute about moving forward after forgiveness. Sometimes this can be hard because you feel so much guilt, shame, and condemnation. The Word teaches that He purges our conscience for sins purge there means eradicates removes and clears so um and and i need to hurry up a little bit so let me just talk about purging the difference in the old testament and the new testament in the old testament they they use the blood of lambs and goats and stuff for forgiveness of sin well jesus is the lamb of god well, the blood of the goats and stuff, it, did, it only covered sin. It didn't take sin away. And also, the priest had to redo these every year. So there was remembrance of sin. So when Jesus says that he purges you of your sins, it's a couple things. One, the Bible says that after Jesus did the high priest duties, he went and sat down. There's no seats in the Old Testament tabernacle. But in the New Testament, Jesus sat down at the right hand of the Father and said, it's done. So one, on purging of sins, when, when, you, when you deal with your sin in God, with Jesus, he's the high priest 
that finished everything and sat down and he doesn't keep remembering it and doing it again and again. You don't have to do it again and again, forgiveness over and over. And then the other thing that's different about Christ's blood of the New Testament is this. Is the blood of the Old Testament just covered? Christ eradicates it, takes it away, removes it, purges it, clears it. So that's kind of cool. So, so, so I'm telling you that you can even be cleared of bad memories. Amen. You can be cleared of, uh, you can be healed of this stuff. It, it just, you just don't have to cover it over. Amen. Any of you out there just trying to cover over your pain? Cover over some of your failures? Just trying to get by and cover it up and live life the best you can? Purging means there ain't no cover up. It's been dealt with. You are free. You are forgiven. It's eradicated and it's gone. Hallelujah. That's, that's what the word teaches. And you can, when you believe that, you can, even, you can even start living like that. You can even start living like it's gone. God forgives us much quicker than we forgive ourselves. I could give an il many illustrations on that. I want to talk a minute about Hebrews 9.14. On cleanse our conscience from dead works. I want to talk about that on moving on. On moving on, I want people today, if you've done, I mean, if you ask God to forgive you and all that stuff we didn't, when you did that on moving on, it's, look at me, quit beating yourself up. Christ was already beat up. Quit, quit living it over again and quit. What's that movie they did up in Woodstock? Groundhog Day, where we do it every day. Quit doing that. A clear con. hey, Cleanse your conscience from dead works. Anybody ever heard that? It's a scripture. You can look at it. How much more shall the blood of Jesus Christ, who through the eternal spirit offer himself without spot, cleanse your conscience from dead works? All right, here's what that means. A conscience that doesn't feel clear or clean is they beat themselves up. They sabotage their future. They're doing all this stuff to them because their conscience isn't clear or clean. And here's the other thing they do is they start doing all these efforts and all these works and all this, well, if I'll do this, 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 and this, maybe that can pay for my wrongdoing. That we do that with God and we do it with people to where we start doing all these works and you try to work yourself out of your sin or out of your mess. Guys, the work's over. Christ completed it 2,000 years. It is a dead work. You cannot work your way to righteousness. You believe your way to righteousness. Abraham believed God and it was accounted or put into his count that he was righteousness because he believed God. So, so, so sometimes there's just so much condemnation. If you're going through your book, on sometimes there's so much. There's stuff on anywhere you might be in your life. Um, remember Paul and his life and Paul murdered people and did things wrong. I mean, it, they, there's a little bit on that. that. That point C in your book, God's not angry with you anymore. I wish I could take every one of these points. With the Isaiah chapter 50, 54, how God's not angry, angry with you anymore. How many of you ever felt God's angry with you? God's not angry with you anymore. When you ask him to forgive you... The Bible says, and this was a prophetic word, it says, in a burst of anger, there was a burst of anger in God. Anybody out there? There was a burst or a moment of anger or wrath towards sin. 
Because God, God goes like this when, when he sees a child abused by an adult. I mean, there's a wrath. How many of you ever feel wrath or vengeance? There is that side of, of, of God towards sin, okay? But he said, for a moment, there was a burst of anger. I turned my face for a little bit, but with, a love, but with an everlasting love, I return to compassion on you, says the Lord, your Redeemer. Just as I swore in the days of Noah, how many know the, the rainbow in the air? Just as I swore in the day of Noah that I would never again flood the earth, so I swear that I will never again be angry with you again. I swear it. God says I swear it. So when you look up and you see the rainbow, that's swearing that God will never flood the earth. But there's another burst of anger because there is wrath and indignation and judgment for sin. It came 2,000 years ago when Jesus Christ was on the cross. That is the only time that Jesus Christ didn't say, Father. Every time God, Jesus talked to God, he always, uh, he always said, Father. Father this, Father that. This was the only time because at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, it got dark. And it started lightning. And all of a sudden, Jesus cried out, My God! My God! Why have you forsaken me? That's the first time. It was because the wrath of God, the anger of God, the indignation of God. God, God for a moment had a burst of anger against sin. A burst of wrath against sin. And boom, it came down on his son Jesus Christ. And that's why the scripture says, the chastisement for my peace was upon his back. But by his stripes, my relationship with God is healed. God's not angry with you anymore. Even in the book of Revelation, when it talks about the throne of grace, it's not only a rainbow over the throne of grace, it's around the side. It's like a ball with rainbows going all the way around the bowl. Because God, see, I sabotage my future. I think God's mad at me all the time. I got this picture of God that, well, I'm such a failure, why go to church today? I can't lift up my hands because you know what I am, God. You know how many times I broke to my knees? I remember one time dropping to my knees in Elgin, South Elgin, pouring rain when we were building this church in the mud. And, and with stress and stuff, you, 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 you're not in the word like you should. Anybody ever get where you're not in the word like you should be? You're, 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 you're just not where you need to be with God. And I dropped, and I remember yelling out, I had skull in my mouth. And I remember yelling out, and I said, look at me. Look at me, God. Look at what I am. We need to understand God's forgiveness. Because we sabotage our futures like we just can't move on because we keep living in what we think we are. We need to know what Christ says we are and guys I quote this scripture all the time but it's on my head it says we have known and we believe I know but I believe the love that God has for me God is love he that dwelleth in God and he, he that dwelleth in love God is love he that dwelleth in love dwells in God and God's in him and then it says 
Herein is our love made perfect on the day of judgment. That as he is, so am I in this world. When you're having one of those moments when you're on the ground, say, look at me. I have known and I believe the love that God has for me. By God, it sur surpasses every bit of understanding. And it seems impossible how someone could. But I know and I believe the love that God has for me. God is love. He that dwelleth in God, he that dwelleth in God and God in him, he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God and God through him. Herein is our love made perfect on the day of judgment. Day of judgment, we're not talking about white throne. In the day of judgment, if you look that up, it means every day. How many do you have a day of judgment every day? Where the enemy comes and judges you. He'll even use the Bible. He'll even, the enemy knows the Bible so well, he'll even use Bible scriptures on you. That's why you, you can't be a per, you either got to be law or grace. If you're a person of the law, then keep all 613 of them. And then the enemy will come and show you the ones you don't keep. Or you, when he comes and shows you the ones that don't keep, you go to Colossians and you say, the Bible says, blotting out the handwritings were against me. He took them, he took the, order, he took the laws of God and he nailed them to the cross. He blotted out all of my transgressions, all the letter where I was breaking the letter of the law against me and he nailed it to the cross. And then it talks about a great triumph. I'm telling you, man, the day of judgment, you can say, when the enemy comes and says, you're this, 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 and this, and this, then you can say, no, as he is, so, is, so am I. Can I ask you something? Is Jesus righteous? Somebody say, so am I. Is he holy? Let me start that again. Is he righteous? Is he holy? Is he accepted? Does he walk in power? Is he a sinner and still living in all that stuff? Or is he forgiven? We're just like Christ. We're accepted. We're holy. We're righteous. We're clean. We're pure. Because of this right here. I'm talking about moving on past your sin. God's not angry with you. Don't sabotage your future. Sometimes you seek forgiveness from people you hurt. Notice I say sometimes. Sometimes better leave things left alone. I'm telling you, you need to use wisdom on that. Sometimes I have seen it blow up on everybody thinks you have to go through and try to remember every little thing that ever happened in a relationship. You know, sometimes when it gets so bad, you need to just say, if we start hatching this out, it's going to not, it's under the blood. We're just moving. But yet, listen to me. Sometimes you do. Sometimes you do. You have to be led of the Lord on that. Again, ask the Lord. Ask the Lord. You're in forgive us our debts as we forgive us. Ask him. Ask him. Do you want me to go talk to us and so? Do you want me to? And he'll tell you. Sometimes you do seek forgiveness from people you hurt. Turn away from your sin. Read that portion in your book. Turn away from your sin. Try to keep from doing that. I'm not going to get onto that. Find people who, you, who can help you avoid repented, repeated sins. 
I was talking to a guy the other day, and he said, Pastor Brian, I want to get to a place in my life where, my, where, where I don't have to ring somebody's phone at 2 o'clock in the morning and saying, pray for me, I'm going under temptation. Or something like that, where, where an alarm goes off. You know, I'm all for accountability and stuff, and, and accountability is good. It's good to have people like that. But I'm telling you, God's even going to take you guys to a point someday where you're not even going to need to do that. Okay? So, I got 17 seconds to finish this sermon. And I can do it. Keeping a clear conscience with people, it's real simple. If you, if you, you the praise team can go ahead and come. Keeping a clear conscience with people is this. Forgive as you want to be forgiven. Uh, the Bible's real clear on that. There's a couple of scriptures there. On that Matthew 18, guys in your books, try to look at that Matthew 18 and tell me you'll read 21 through, through 35. What that is, is that's a, a, that is a story about a guy that was forgiven a million dollar debt by a king. And then he left the king and he went out and grabbed somebody and said, Brian, you pay me what you owe me. And as say, under 10 bucks. So this Yehu just got forgiven millions by a king, and he comes and grabs the throat of this guy that owes him 10 bucks, says, you pay me, and he actually put the guy in debtor's prison. Back then, he went in debtor's prison. Well, the king heard, man, I just, I just, I just forgave this guy millions. He can't forgive this guy 10 bucks. Yeah, he not only didn't forgive him a 10 bucks, the people telling the king. He said this, he put him in debtor's prison. And the king was angry. And he said, you go get that mealy mouth tiptoe through the tulip tiny Tim and get him back in here. I forgave you, brought him back in. I forgave you of millions, yet you won't forgive a 10 bucks. And then the king says, put him in debtor's prison. And don't only put him in debtor's prison. Listen to this. Put the tormentors on him. Put the tormentors on him. You know what that means, guys? Hold the music just through this point. You know what that means? It means when we have been forgiven so much, if we can't forgive somebody some little thing, you may think it's big. Add up your years, and there's nothing big. You can't for, And listen to this. If you can't forgive, the Scripture says that you're put in this prison-like thing, and then the tormentors are on you. Do you know the person that can't forgive? They're the ones hurting themselves. You're the one living in memories. You're the one living in the, the rehearsing it and going through it. You're the one that's messed up. Guys, listen. I'm telling you that health and healing comes with a clear conscience with God. And that you keep a clear, clean conscience with others. With others. So, we're going to be... You guys can go ahead. We're going to be, we're going to be, we're going to have to, we got to set our will daily to forgive. Again, when I'm in this prayer, I said, Lord, today I set my will to forgive. Lord, I know that forgiveness is an act of the will. It's not an emotion. I'm going to have plenty of opportunities to forgive today. I'm going to have plenty of opportunities to be offended. But I also remember if I don't forgive men their trespasses, Heavenly Father can't forgive me. Five things. What do I do when I'm offended? What do I do when I'm offended? This is in your book. One, don't curse it. 
Don't curse it. Don't curse it. So when I'm going through my day, I'm having a good day, and then boom, ticked off. Problem happening. There's an offense. Whatever I agree, there's offense every day. We face offenses daily. They're not going to go away, so we got to learn. First, don't, don't curse it. What I do is I say, Lord, how do you want me to love? How do you want me? Is there, is there something you're trying? Hey, here's a big one. Is there something you're trying to show me? Are y'all with me today? You know, sometimes the Lord will send somebody with this um, gritty sandpaper that just gets on your nerves and offends you and just irritates the crud out of you. But they're the perfect person in your life because they're sanding some things and God's using them to correct some things and to do something in your life. So first of all, I said, Lord, I'm not going to curse this. What are you trying to show me? Is there any way you're trying to correct me? The second thing is I don't nurse it. Boy, you talk about people in this in our world with a victim mentality. Oh, I'm always the victim. I'm all, oh, poor as me. Oh, this for, this is always happening. Don't nurse it. Don't curse it. Don't nurse it. Don't rehearse it. Ah, I wish I'd have said that to Cornelius. Man, Cornelius said this, and man, he got my goat. If I'd have said this, or I should have done that. Man, in that situation, if I just would have done that, I could have won. It would have been a lot man our ego is just all over the place don't curse it don't nurse it don't rehearse it but disperse it give it to God bless the person release the people and God will reverse it brothers and sisters in the last part of your book forgiveness is the pathway to healing it is forgiveness is the Bible even says don't let the Sun go down on wrath make it right for Sun goes down me and my wife make it right for the Sun goes down don't let that Sun go down if you're still pit po'd don't let the Sun go down don't let the Sun go down lead me in the path of righteousness Man, forgiveness is the pathway to health and healing. We pray, lead me in the path of righteousness. When there isn't forgiveness, the enemy can rob your peace, leaving you without peace and the feeling that something is left undone, leaving you undone. It's like you can't move. But when you forgive, the torment, the pain, the suffering, the stress, the awkwardness leaves. The big ordeal which causes chaos begins to leave. And Paul said, I bear the marks of God in my body. What Paul meant on that is if I pull my pants up, I got a scar right here on my knee. It's a big scar right here. It's like 12. You guys like my socks? There's, there's like 12... Uh, there's like 12 stitches in my kneecap. What happened is when I was about 10 years old, I was in J.C. Penney's in Joplin, Missouri. Everybody say Missouri. I was in J.C. Penney's getting me my old tough skins. How many remember tough skins with the double knees? Okay, I was getting my tough skins at J.C. Penney's with my mom. And she said, Brian, you get over here. And you, I was doing something. Brian, you, I was doing something. 
And, and she goes, why, I'm going to get you. And she reached with me. Back then, they swatted us. I am a survivor of the wooden spoon, let me tell you. And, and man, she grabbed me, and, and she started to whack me. And I ran and jumped under some ladies' clothes inside those clothes hangers. And there was a razor blade in there on the deal. And it just slipped my knee. And next thing I remember, Mom's running me. I got to go in the women's bathroom at 11 years old. Women, <laughs> women was running out of the bathroom and, and they was getting, they ended up taking me and getting stitches. Um, but I looked there, that's not an open wound. It's a scar. It wasn't pretty that day. Mom was pretty mad and I was in big trouble. And I was at the hospital. Wasn't a real good day, but we laugh about it now. And I'm moving on because of the forgiveness of the Lord. You may bear in your bodies the marks of offenses, the marks of rejection, the marks of hurt, the marks of pain. But I'm telling you today, it doesn't have to be an open wound. God can heal your brokenness. And the pathway to healing, the pathway to healing, the pathway to healing, everybody say, is forgiveness is forgiveness father in the name of jesus every head bowed and eyes closed i mean you feel like you have an open wound today and you received hope today lift up your hands everybody bow your heads nobody looking around lift up your hands all over this place if you say man i got some open wounds i got some things that are festering i got some things that are still hurting i got some things that i can't move on with there, there's some stuff that I, I i can't have days of joy and i can't I can't, I can't be in right relationship. I can't do this. I can't do that. If that's you right now, I want you to take those people and just release them. Say, Lord, you've forgiven me of so much. I forgive them. I forgive them. And then I want you to do something that isn't going to be easy, but I want you to say, Lord, I bless them. Lord, I bless them. I bless them. I bless them, Lord. I ask good to happen to them. Lord, I pray for my enemies. I bless them which say horrible things about me, which treat me evil, the scripture says. I bless them right now. And then right now, in the name of Jesus, the word says that you can come out of that prison of torment. Right now, in the Jesus' name, every person that raised their hand, this week is the week of victory. This week is the week of coming out of the prison. This week is the week that said, I took the pathway of righteousness and I honored God by releasing people and forgiving people. You can say to the enemy, get out of my life and the tormentors will leave. The memories will leave. The open wounds will leave. Ask God right now to let those open wounds and those memories. Ask God in this part of the sermon where I preach that he purges our conscience. Purge my conscience. Purge my memory. Purge my thoughts. Purge me, Lord. Cleanse me, Lord. Every head bowed and eyes closed. We're going to end with this. Is there anybody in here that doesn't know if you're a Christian? That you're not right with God? That you don't have a clear conscience with God? Can I see your hand today? Lift it up high if that's you today. I, want to, I don't have a clear conscience with God. I want to accept Him as my Lord and Savior today. Just lift up your hand. Amen. Every head bowed. Lord, church, pray this with me. If you lifted your hand on the, on the screen, a virtual family, pray this prayer with me. Lord Jesus, I come to you now. 
I ask you to forgive me and to bring me into your family. Lord, all those things, all that stuff that has separated me from you, where I'm not clean or clear before you today, I want that awkwardness to leave. And I want you to be my Lord and Savior. Say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. And I'll live for you from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen. Give the Lord a hand clap this morning. I want to encourage you to pick up the materials. Every, almost, well, it is. Everything I wrote. This has been a difficult series because I've been writing it out so you guys can have it. I've been working hard writing this stuff out. Go get parts one, two, three, and four. Before you dismiss, know that the prayer team is going to be up here. There are a couple people that raised their hand. If you have the courage, come and tell one of the prayer team that you prayed that prayer today. If you need prayer for anything, we believe that Jesus house is a house of prayer. Father, in Jesus' name, we dismiss this church. And Lord, we pray that you go in the peace and the love and the forgiveness of the Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. If you need prayer, come forward. Deacons and prayer people, come forward, please.